Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. Good morning, everyone. By the way, welcome everybody joining us via live stream. Uh, could you just raise your hand so we can see that you're there? I, I, I'd really kind of like to know how many raised their hands. But welcome, everyone. It's good, good to be here together this morning. It's good to see all of you. Um, I'm going to invite us to stand up, if we could, for the first song. And uh, let's just bless God. You know that you can bless God, that he is blessed when we come together and we join together. He loves family reunions. I always say that. And he loves when we just um, we, we give him our adoration, our praise, and our worship. And he just reciprocates that so freely, just right back to us and into us and all around us and all together. So. Holy hands. 
Yeah. 
instructed um, as God's children to pray for those uh, in leadership and in authority. And uh, certainly there would be no better time to do that than this week as we have a transition of power. I find myself personally, and I believe it's consistent with Christ's teachings, that we pray for others through a clear lens. In other words, um, as Jesus taught, you know, that we should remove the tree trunks in our own eyes before, um, you know, that might hinder or distort um, our vision before we point out, uh, you know, um, shortcomings in others. And that's always the place to start. It's always the place to start. 
you know, with self-awareness, uh, with self-reflection and evaluation of our motives and our actions and our attitudes. Uh, yes? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, so, before we, you know, would say to anybody in your life or my life, um, they better do this or they better not do this, um, it's always wise to start out with, I better. God help me do be better. Um, that's how dry bones come to life. Um, that's how cultures and countries are changed, you know, one life at a time, the way that Jesus taught that the kingdom of God operates, the transformation of one life at a time. Through hearts that are humble, hearts that are self-aware, um, kind and compassionate to all. And um, so I would like us to read together this prayer of confession this morning. Um, it begins with us, but then it moves, uh, of course, when it begins with us, it moves to the broader um, influence of those around us in our neighborhoods, our country, our world. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you, aware of our unworthiness to be called your sons and daughters. We confess that we are tempted by power, wealth, and illusions of security, which lead us away from you. That we have passively and actively participated in exploiting others created in your image. That we have hidden behind our inhibitions and fears to avoid living disciplined lives. That we have depended on our wisdom to govern the world and failed to acknowledge your kingship. That we have played the role of judge when only you could judge. That we have neglected the causes of peace, love, and justice in our lives. We ask that you attend to each of us as we silently make our confessions. Let's just take a moment. Let's continue to pray. Lord, we rejoice that you have not abandoned us, though we are unworthy. You sent your Son to redeem us, and through his death and resurrection brought our redemption. With thanksgiving, we proclaim your love and grace shown to us in Jesus, and together confess him as our Redeemer. In his name we pray.
sing this song for you. It's called Rattle, but feel free to join in whenever you can.
That's good stuff right there. <laughs> What's that? Seems like we ought to do it again. At the end of the service? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is everybody sticking around? Um, anyway, transition out of that. Sorry for the really um, awkward and clumsy transition. I usually don't do the announcements. But there's a lot of good stuff um, that is happening, even in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, we are having an adult Sunday school class today. This is the second week. And it's called The Gift of Being You. Um, that is just, I don't know, there's something about that, right? The Gift of Being You. Because I know a lot of you right now, you're probably thinking, I'd rather not be me. Um, but uh, there, wow, what a treasure in finding the gift and who God made you to be and the gift of in living out who he made you to be and, and to grow comfortable in that and, and to love yourself, right? Um, and so that's happening today, 11.15, um, over here in the, in the fellowship hall. Also, if you're looking to find the bulletin online on our website, if you go uh, uh, to our website and then click on latest news, and then you drop down and you'll find announcements. So latest news, announcements, that's where you will find the bulletin on our website, all right? It's just tucked back there just a little bit, um, but it's, uh, it's there every week, all right? And it gives you all the information that you need to know. All right, uh, Joanne and Tony are gonna come up now and they're gonna rattle some things around up here. <laughs> oh, if you only knew, <laughs> and you will. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I better go the other way. <laughs> morning. <laughs> the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Mm -hmm. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. <laughs> he led me back and forth among them, and I see a a saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Mm -hmm. A group of people spontaneously gather together. They're all pointing excitedly towards something in the distance. Or an ambulance passes, the flights flashing, the sirens blaring. A child tugs at your sleeve, excitedly gestures at a page in a coloring book. All of these are signs telling you to do what? Look! Look, stop what you're doing. There's something that you need to see. And that's sort of what happened to a man named Ezekiel one day about 2,600 years ago. Mm -hmm. Ezekiel had been born in Israel. He had lived there as a young man, but he had seen his nation invaded, his beloved capital city destroyed, and thousands of his people taken into faraway captivity. He too was one of the exiles in the land of Babylon. He was a priest. He was also a prophet, called by God to speak hope to his people far from their homeland and from their perspective, far from their God. 
And then one day, God said, look, Ezekiel, look. And what a sight he saw. A literal death valley. A multitude of bones stretching as far as he could see. Bones that had been there a very long time. They were dry. Very dry, it says. The sun having done its deadly work of turning flesh into dust. Dust to dust. And what's dead is dead, right? Yep. What Ezekiel was looking at in all of the remnants of death was a startling sight. It was a confusing sight. What had happened here? And it was a dreadful sight. Can you imagine? Maybe you can. Because we too have looked upon startling, confusing, and dreadful sights of late, haven't we? We've looked at them every day on the flickering screens of our devices and our TVs with the daily news. Mm -hmm. We've looked at them in the daunting numbers broadcast daily of global casualties of a microscopic enemy we can't see. We've looked upon deadly happenings in our political processes. We looked upon the dying of values and commitments once treasured. We've looked in bewilderment as friendships have withered yep. in the midst of unprecedented polarization. We've looked inward too. We've watched our own souls contract, some of us, see deathliness do its harm to our joy and our hope and our love. It seems that so much around us has died. And so much in us has as well. And what's dead is dead, right? Well, maybe it's time to look again. Yeah. And although everything in us might want to look away, we do need to look again and again and again. We need to keep looking. Looking not simply to shake our heads in disbelief at other people or point our fingers in judgment. We need to keep looking in order to take in the depth of what we're seeing. To feel the reality of what has and is happening. Not only out here, but in our depths. We need to keep looking in order to be with God, the giver of life. And to listen to what he asks in the presence of incomprehensible loss. Verse 3. God asks, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Ezekiel's asking the question that many, if not most of us are wondering about, right? Can we recover from this? Can what is dead live again? The grief is so devastating, and the responses of anger and fear, hopelessness, exhaustion, cynicism, violence, despair, are so intense, we just don't know what to do with them. Have you been there? That sense of being so overwhelmed, it's like I'm kind of like, I haven't been able to watch or listen to much news at all this week. I am all full up. And yet, I need to keep looking because God is there too. Even when we don't know what to do. Ezekiel was no different 
than us. He was human, just like us. He was overwhelmed by the enormity of, of it all, just like us. He was feeling shocked and distraught, confused and disoriented. After all, like Tony said, the temple in Jerusalem, the place where God met with his people, had been utterly destroyed by the Babylonians. And the people had been taken into captivity. You know what that meant in Ezekiel's world, in the ancient world? That meant that a more powerful deity, the God of Babylon, had defeated the God of Israel. That's what it meant to them. Now, when we know that, what we can see is, okay, knowing that, we can understand why this would cause any Israelite, especially a priest, to wonder if the Lord was truly Lord and if God was truly faithful. See, according to that and adding to that, if God is truly God, why would he bring his priest to a boneyard? Didn't God know that touching dead bodies or bones would make Ezekiel ceremonially unclean? That just being there would make him unfit to minister to the Lord until he was cleansed? And yet here he was, standing in the midst of all of this death that God brought him there. And it, you know, looking at all of that, it must have made Ezekiel feel sick to his stomach, and yet, unbelievably, God was still right there with him. So all of Ezekiel's emotions and all of his pain and his, all of his questions must have come rushing to the surface when God asked him, son of man, or literally, mortal. Mortal, you who live in fear of death, in other words. Can these bones live? And you know what we don't know? We don't know how long it took for Ezekiel to answer that question. He probably needed some time before he could speak. But you know, I believe that, it, that his heart and his soul and his body started answering the question immediately. I really believe the tears probably came to his eyes. At, Can these bones live? And a rush and tears came to his eyes as every bit of hopeless fear and despair rose up in him right there in the presence of the God he loved. And this is so important. Because you see, if we'll look long enough to see things as they truly are, we will weep. We'll weep because we'll see ourselves as we truly are. And you know what? Those tears are precious to God. That kind of honesty and vulnerability, that, that allows our feelings to become a profound kind of prayer that's got a name, lament. We were doing some of that with Sean and the worship team this morning, lamenting. Lament allows us to offer to God all of the emotions, all of, of the doubts, everything inside that's killing us inside. That form of prayer allows us to offer it to God, trusting that God is right there with us, that God understands, that God is sharing in our suffering, and that in God receiving our lament, God will actually lighten some of the heaviness we're carrying. Because it gets to be really heavy, doesn't it? 
Can these bones live? Now, Ezekiel could have responded with a, a sarcastic, yeah, right. But he didn't. Instead, he responds with a humble wisdom. Humble wisdom. He says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Wow. He's saying, You are sovereign. And I don't understand, but you know. In other words, Lord, I am a limited human being. To me, this seems impossible. You alone are God. You alone know what's possible. And you know what? Today, we're all Ezekiel. After staring, as Tony said, for nearly a year at the increasing numbers of those dying in the pandemic, at the increasing enormity of job losses and financial hardships and relational disconnection and societal unrest and so many other losses, perhaps we might have some humility. We, perhaps we might have the wisdom to admit our helplessness, to acknowledge our uncertainty, to mourn our losses together and allow some humility and wisdom to rise within us as we learn to respond to God's question as Ezekiel did. You alone are God. You alone know you are Lord. And although everything in me says it's impossible for dead bones to live again, I will remain open to you, and I will remain open to only what you can do. Then the Lord said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Mm -hmm. What is God saying here? Listen, Ezekiel. Look, Ezekiel, see the bones. Listen, Ezekiel. What does Ezekiel hear? He hears first the voice of God, just like Asaph did in the psalm that we discussed last Sunday. God had interrupted the worship song that Asaph had planned and said the primary central line in that psalm, oh, my people, if you would but listen to me. And here he is again saying the same thing to Ezekiel, through Ezekiel. Listen, the story you have written for yourselves, the story you've written for the world, it's not my story. There is more than you have imagined. I am involved. Listen, Ezekiel. Yeah. And what does Ezekiel hear? The voice of God telling him to do something utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Prophesy to the dry bones. 
Talk to dead things, Ezekiel. Yeah. And Ezekiel must be thinking, ah, is this what I'm consigned to now? You called me to be a prophet to your people. Have I done so poorly at that that now I'm, I'm calling out to bones in a valley that even the buzzards don't visit anymore? Mm. Is this all I'm good for? And again, God says, listen, Ezekiel. And what does Ezekiel hear? The voice of God telling him to speak life to those dead things. To shout the impossible across the entire valley. To fill the air with an invitation that could not in anyone's imagination come true. What's dead is dead, right? But yet Ezekiel does it. He responds to that voice that he hears and he prophesies to dead things with the words of ridiculous promise and impossible hope. Yeah. Listen, Ezekiel. And what does Ezekiel hear? Not a voice now, but a sound emanating from all over, from underneath him, from all around him in that seemingly God-forsaken valley of death. Bone rubbing against bone. The sound of dry bones rattling. And it grows louder and louder. There are 206 bones in the human body. And there's a whole valley of bones. So now thousands of them are moving, finding each other, connecting miraculously from some long ago memory until they take form. Looking even more ghastly than they had before. A whole valley of skeletons now. Staring up at the sky. Yeah. When everything seems to have fallen apart, mm -hmm. let us not be surprised if God starts making things fall together. Yes. Listen, Ezekiel. And what does Ezekiel hear? Nothing else. Always quiet over this haunted valley. All he can do now is stop prophesying, stop talking, and listen some more. Yeah. And perhaps that's all we can do now as well. Oh, my people, if you would but listen to me. Yeah. After all, even the bones listened. Without ears, they nonetheless heard the call of God. But you know what? They could not rise up and reassemble on their own. They were raised. Even Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. He was raised. And so we too can be raised from the dead, no matter how dry our bones and our spirits have become, by the power of that same voice. Mm -hmm. If we would listen. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Our encouragement today, as it was last week, is listen, even if you feel ridiculous, like Ezekiel almost certainly did. Even if you feel like a failure in the world, as Ezekiel likely did. Even if you feel hopeless, like any valley of bones yeah. would feel for any one of us. God is here. God is involved. God is speaking But, here are the questions. What are we listening to? Mm -hmm. 
Are we listening to that voice of God, or are we listening to the voices of what's Tom, what Thomas Hardy once called the madding crowd? And it is madding out there. And if we are listening, what are we hearing? Are we hearing that call of God, that promise, that invitation? Or are we hearing only the metrics of despair and the drumbeat of doubt? And if we are hearing something, what do we believe about what we're hearing? What do we believe about the God that we are listening to? Is God watching us all from some safe social distance, far away, uncaring, uninvolved? Or is he with us in the messiness, weeping with us in lament? And yes, speaking words of hope to us. Impossible words of impossible hope. Yes. That might maybe just come true. Mm-hmm. What do we really believe when our world looks like this? Mm-hmm. And when our lives feel stripped down to the level of skeleton? Mm-hmm. A lot of questions there. Yeah. There are the questions of our generation. Are the questions of this year. Mm-hmm. Listen, Ezekiel had not yet gotten to the end of his remarkable story. We're not done yet. What he sees so far is incomplete. And neither have we seen the end of our story. The Valley of Dry Bones that we're in is not the story that God has written. Yes. There's more than this. Yes. And God is not done. Yes. Right, the physical parts of of these people in the valley. Yep, all the physical parts had come back together and they appeared to be alive. But listen, they weren't, not yet. At this point, they're just lying there, unmoving and unalive. You know, when someone's unconscious, what's the first question that usually gets asked? Say it. Are they breathing? Yes, are they breathing? Is she breathing? If not, then hopefully the ones who found her know how to give her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and breathe her back to life again, right? Do you know that when we do that, when we people do that, um, we're doing on a very small scale what God did at the very beginning. When God formed the man from the dust of the earth, and there he was, lying there, a beautiful, but lifeless sculptural masterpiece. But then we're told in Genesis 2-7, the Lord God, and again, sovereign God, creator God, the Lord God, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Imagine it, right? Here he is, motionless, unmoving. God breathes the breath of life into him, and suddenly his chest begins to rise and fall. He starts to stretch out his arms and his legs and his fingers and his toes, and he opens his eyes and finds himself face to face with his creator. And here in this valley of death, right before Ezekiel's eyes, God does it again. Let's pick it up in verse nine. Again, it's God. God said to Ezekiel, God said to me, prophesy to the breath. First it was to the bones. Now he's saying prophesy to the breath. 
Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our is gone. We are cut off. Hmm. God chose Ezekiel, that he's the same sovereign Lord, the same powerful creator now that he was at the very beginning. Nothing has changed. Babylon can't change who he is. The only God who creates life where there is none, he's the one who brings life again and again and again when life is gone. How does God do this? Through breath. In Hebrew, it's the word ruach. In the New Testament, in Greek, it's the word pneuma. Ruach, pneuma. Different words, the meaning is the same. Wind, breath, spirit. See, these words refer to both the physical life force within all human beings that keeps our lungs breathing and our bodies alive. And also, it refers to the God who is life itself. And all of these meanings and layers are kind of, um, they all come together in that one Hebrew word, ruach, but, but really the New Testament, the Greek, is really helpful here because the New Testament breaks it out and uses three words for three meanings of life. First, bios. We get the word from biology. Don't know much about history. No, yeah, biology's in there somewhere. Don't know much Trigonometry. Yeah. <laughs> what I do know is I love you. All right. Bios, right? Physical, biological life. Every human has this. This part of Ruach, right? Suke is the second word in Greek. This is not simply the life of the flesh, of the body. Suke, the life of the human soul. So the mind, the emotions, the desires, the will, all of what is happening within us. And suke, we get from that word, psychology. Right, yes. Zoe is the third one. This is the word that is used, yes, of kind of life in general, the life of creation in general, but it's really referring at its heart to the uncreated eternal life of God. In John 1, when it says, in him, in Christ Jesus, in the word, made flesh, in him was life from the very beginning. And that life, life was the light of all human beings, of all people. That life, eternal, uncreated life, the life of God. See, all, as I said, all three of these meanings are wrapped up in that one Hebrew word used here in Ezekiel 37, ruach. Why do we need to know all this? Because there's a process. There's a process happening. God tells Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones first. All the pieces need to come together. But it's still not alive yet. The structure's there. Now he says, 
Ezekiel summoned the wind, the ruach, the breath of life from the four corners of the earth, from the physical creation. Summon the breath. And the breath entered these lifeless bodies, and they came to life and stood up like that first man in the garden at the beginning, but even more like Lazarus. When the breath of life entered him again, after being dead and buried for three days, so dead is dead until it's not. Oh, miraculous, oh yes. Life, it, in any form, life is always miraculous. But notice, Lazarus was raised to bios life. He was not resurrected, he was resuscitated for a time. He was living for sure, but he would eventually die again. And the same was true for these men Ezekiel saw standing alive before him in the valley. They were like breathing statues, right? At first, they weren't moving, but they were speaking. And what did they say? Our bones are still dried up within us. Okay, so all the bones came together and the flesh and the sinews and everything, and there they are, and now they're alive. But they're saying, we're alive, but our bones are still dry within us. We have no hope. We're cut off. See, what they're showing is that in addition to bios life, they also have suke life. Because they were feeling. They were despairing. They're still full of dry bones. They're still separated. Sure, the bones came together. But they're still separated from each other. They're still separated from God. They're hopeless. They were alive again. But they're still living in the valley of the shadow of death. What does this mean? It means that just putting the pieces back together doesn't guarantee an abundant, hope-filled life. It just, it, it doesn't guarantee a life worth living. Not for them and not for us. I mean, think about it. What about when the next tragic challenge threatens? When the next invading army comes to take Israel away? or keep them oppressed right there at home. What, what would they? I mean, what, what will we do? What, would we have the physical, emotional, mental strength to just keep doing all of this again and again and again? The question is, is this all there is to life? Well, God's about to show Ezekiel that these hopeless people in the valley and all of us, He's, trying, he's about to say, God is not done yet in this process. There is a better, fuller, freer way of living yet to come. So there's one more prophecy for Ezekiel to give. But this one is not to the resuscitated bodies in what is now the Valley of Zombies. <laughs> we literally have the walking dead. No, Ezekiel was told now to go back to his people. Go back to his community in exile, the ones who are being oppressed by the Babylonians, the ones who have been traumatized and who were in despair, and tell them what God has in store for them. God says, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord, sovereign Lord says, my people, I am going to open your graves yes. and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. 
then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Yes. Now I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, mm-hmm. declares the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now Ezekiel can do this. This doesn't feel quite as ridiculous now as talking to a bunch of dead bones. <laughs> Ezekiel can go back to his people and do this with enthusiasm and credibility. Why? Because he has seen life come from death. Yes. He's seen it with his own eyes. He was a participant in what happened. Yes. Now for them, for his people, life from death, what did that mean? It meant that one day they could return home to the land they've been cruelly taken away from. It meant that they could see that God was with them there in Babylon instead of believing that he was confined to a land far away and therefore was distant from them. It meant that for however long they did have to stay in exile still, they could nonetheless live. It meant that they could flourish even in captivity rather than just lament forever. There was life to be had here and now. Same is true for us, by the way. Let's not wait till the pandemic is over. Let's not wait till the politics work out to whatever we think that they ought to be. Let's not wait till everything in our life gets organized the way that we want it to be. Let us live now. For us, though, life from death means even more than that. See, we knew Christ, and Ezekiel did not yet. See, we are not just resuscitated. In Christ, we are resurrected. Mm. We are resurrected into eternal life, never more to die. Not like Lazarus. We are resurrected into Zoe life, abundant life, that was so much more than just merely existing biologically. Until someday when they turn off the machine. Is that really all we're living for? C.S. Lewis once said that someone who changed from having bios to having Zoe would have gone through such a big change as a statue who changed from being a carved stone into being a real man. (laughs) Maybe it's Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to imagine there. And then he went on and said, and this world is a great sculpture shop. We are the statues. And there's a rumor going around the shop that some of us are someday going to come to life. (laughs) Yes. Well, the rumor is true. Yes. The rumor is true. We have. We do indeed live. And there's some wonderful news in all of this. Just as the dry bones were not able to make themselves come back to life, so resurrection is not our work either. God has done it. In Christ, we are already resurrected. That's why we tell you at Easter, year after year here at Hosanna, That the best news of Easter is not that Christ was raised from the dead. He was, but it gets better than that. He was raised so we could be too. The story of Easter is about our resurrection. He is described in 1 Corinthians as the first fruits of the resurrection, the first fruits of the harvest, the one who goes ahead of us, who shows us how it's done, the one who proves that it can be done. When we are in him, that is when we've given our life to him, we die with him in his death and we are raised to new life with him in his resurrection. It's all over the New Testament. That's the promise of God. The God who has a habit of making alive things that were once dead. 
And by the way, he's been at it ever since. One day, 600 years after Ezekiel, Jesus' disciples were gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. Like the people in Ezekiel's time, they had looked upon and lamented too much death and deathliness. They were not in captivity in faraway Babylon, no, but they were captive at home by the Roman Empire, which, by the way, is referred to in the New Testament, sometimes metaphorically, as Babylon. And, like the rest of us, they too have been held captive by their sin. But these group of people, they had known Jesus. And they had seen the first fruits of resurrection in person. They had seen his own body raised from the dead. They had seen his resurrected flesh. Yes. And so that day, there in the upper room, they waited and they listened. They listened for God. And on Pentecost Sunday, 50, year, 50 days after that resurrection, a new sound was heard on the earth. Yes. This one wasn't a rattle. This was louder than that. It was a mighty rushing wind. Yes. And the spirit blew in and breathed new life, Zoe life, resurrection life. Yes. Into them and into everyone else who would receive it for themselves. Yep. Including us including us, that abundant resurrection life is ours today still if we will receive it, if we will live in it. Because yes. the Spirit has never left us. Right. And he prophesies to us again today, live, live. Don't continue in your deathliness. Don't linger in the valley of dry bones. Yep. You don't even have to do what those ancient Israelites said. Don't yearn to go back to once was, what, what, what once what? was. <laughs> Eliminate W's from the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't yearn for that, for what had been. Instead, yearn to come fully, joyfully alive in the newness of life. Yes. No matter how, by the way, how dry the bones seem to be in the valley in which you stand. And having come alive, then what? Stay alive. Because some, some of us are like, yeah, yeah, I had that experience. I came to life in Christ. And it was X amount of years ago. And okay, what does life look for you, like for you now? Right. Is it Zoe? Is it alive? Is it full? Is it resurrection? Or have you receded into a bios life and you're just counting the days? Hoping to get through. Hoping that there's maybe something yeah. on the other end before the clock runs out. Yes. Stay alive. Yes. And then, like Ezekiel, you and I can show and tell a death-dealing world what resurrection life in Christ can really look like. Amen. And that brings us to our teaching theme, our preaching theme for this year. Living resurrection. That's the theme. Living resurrection. In both of its meanings. First in the certain promise that through faith in Christ and union with the indwelling Holy Spirit, we will share in Jesus' living resurrection after we die physically. Yes, incredible good news. That is the central core belief of our faith. If that isn't true, Paul says, if, if he hasn't risen from the dead, if he isn't alive right now, we are most wretched of all people and we might as well close these doors and just go out and live our bios lives until we die. It's either true or, is it, or it isn't, folks. 
And we need to stop settling for bios life, suke life, when we've got Zoe inside of us. First, living resurrection, the certain promise that through faith in Christ and union with the indwelling Holy Spirit, we will share in Jesus' living resurrection after we die physically, meaning we will rise again. Yes, that's good news. That is core to our faith. Yes. But the second part of this is we don't have to wait until then to live resurrection. We need to be living resurrection every single day because between now and then, Resurrection has everything to do with the way that we live. The Holy Spirit invited us to this theme for 2021 through prayer. Those of us, or excuse me, those of you who watched the congregational, I watched it, but those of you who watched it, that congregational meeting video, if you watch that online, you've heard some of this. But we think it's important for all of us to hear at the start of this year, how this theme came to be in prayer. As I was praying through the fall, I began seeing in prayer the image of a graveyard. It just stretched out in every direction, graves as far as I could see. And you know what? What I'm about to share with you, it wasn't until Friday when we were working on this message and talking about the theme, and I was recounting to Tony, hey, this is what was, what, what was in the prayer. Oh my gosh. The moment of recognition, it, Ezekiel 37, is right here, given in the fall, before we ever even knew we were going to preach on it. There was a graveyard as far, it stretched out in every direction. There were graves as far as I could see. All the graves were open. Like, just black open rectangles everywhere, like the bones, as far as I could see. And they weren't new graves. They were newly opened graves. And they were dark, and I could feel that they were holding losses and deaths of all kinds. And at first, I was troubled by this image. I think anybody, that's not what you expect to see when you're praying, right? Here's a graveyard. I was troubled. And I just kept asking God, because this just continued on, you know, day after day. Why am I seeing these graves, Lord? Why have you brought me here? But I didn't hear any response, so I just kept praying, and this vision just kept being there. Over time, as I prayed, over the weeks, the image began to change. Wind began to blow through the graveyard. And then one after another after another, the graves were filled with a gentle light. Lights started coming on in the graves. And as I watched, the lights began to rise up out of the graves, and the light was joining together with the wind and lighting it up. It was, it's hard to describe, it was shimmering, it was sparkling. And the light was moving together with the wind, with the breath, wherever it went. Like Jesus said, that's the spirit, like the wind that blows and goes wherever it will. It was so incredibly moving. And as I was watching this, I felt my own spirit rising within me. And I became aware that I was witnessing resurrection. I sensed the Holy Spirit revealing that 
what God desires for me and for us, all of you, for us as Hosanna. I think even out beyond. But what he desires for us is that we do trust that central truth of, that our faith rests on. That Jesus the Christ really died and really came out of his grave alive. And that the same is going to happen for all of us who trust him by faith. Listen, not only in heaven one day, but right here, right now, on earth as it is in heaven. And I felt the Spirit's joy that now is the time for this truth in our heads to become the living reality of our everyday lives. Now's the time for us to experience, not just witness it, but experience that reality that God is not with us only in our suffering and our loss and our dying. That is not all that there is to this life. But God is also with us in our transformation, in our restoration, and in our rising because no grave can hold him. Or us. Right. Or us. I don't think anybody's going to argue that in 2020 God was opening graves all over the place. Opening old graves of things long dead and gone. And even new graves of recent heartbreaking losses. But what most of us have been missing is that the Spirit has been moving among those graves this year. Bringing light. Bringing love. Offering transformation. And resurrection. And the Spirit's been blowing among us, asking the same question that God asked Ezekiel, asking us, can these bones live again? And all through the year, whether we could sense it or not, God was giving us the same choice that was given to the women at Jesus' tomb on Easter morning. When they were asked, why are you looking for the living among the dead? See, we're being given the choice to continue to live in old dead ways or to live resurrection. We're living in a time when Hosanna, the church at large, when we can truly become the risen body of Jesus Christ in the world. Full of people who have known the fellowship of his sufferings and are ready to experience and live the power of his resurrection. People whose wounds have been transformed into trophies of God's grace. People who shine and shimmer with the glory of Christ's presence. People who move in freedom with the spirit of God wherever yes. he takes us. However he leads us. People who not only believe that Jesus <laughs> rose from the grave, but who have risen out of their own graves to be with him, to be his living love and presence in this world that God so deeply loves. Can these bones live? The invitation this year is for us to say yes. To say yes to living resurrection. And then see what God will do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Breathe on us breath of God. Come, Holy Spirit, we prophesy to the wind. Come and do what only you can do. Again and again and again, come and bring life, life 
out of death. Open the graves and bring us and your church and our world and our nation and every dead thing, everything that looks dead, that needs to live again, open the graves and bring it all out alive mm -hmm. in you. Do the impossible, God. Surprise us with your grace. Astound us in love. Make us fall to our knees in awe. And do it in such a way that you and you alone are glorified. Teach us this year what living resurrection means, Lord. We need you now more than ever. May it be so. And the people of God together said, Amen. 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 And may you hear the rattle of dry bones yes. everywhere you go this year. Yeah, listen for the noise. You want to do the song again? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, by the way, Sean didn't know we were doing Ezekiel today. We didn't even decide until Friday. Sean, um, Sean but rarely knows what we're doing because we rarely know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> It was a good message. Hope filled. Feel, feel free to uh, sing along uh, with us. In fact, let's stand up. Let's stand up.
Robin, live resurrection life. Have a good week.